Hello and welcome back to the podcast. The NBA trade deadline's come and gone. I'm going to break down and talk about every single deal and give my thoughts about them. Also, NFL honors come and gone. We now know who is the MVP, comeback player of the year, rookie of the years, all that stuff. Plus, the Super Bowl. Fantastic. Halftime show. Fantastic. And the best player in the NFL, by far, sealed the deal. We're going to talk about that. Also, I'm going to talk about the Kyler Murray drama, potentially in Arizona. Well, I think it's just all smoke and mirrors for a certain side of this drama. Also, the lockout continues. Fun times. But, here we go. Well, Super Bowl 56. Great game. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams for winning their second Super Bowl title in franchise history. And congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals for one hell of a ride. But, now we've got to talk about this game. So, low scoring affair. 23-20 was the final score. And, in the first half, it looked like Cincinnati was... Doing what they somewhat needed to do. They somewhat held Aaron Donald in check. They somewhat held Cooper Cup in check. But they were still down 13-10 going into the half. And then the second half kicks off. First play of the second half. On a play that may or may not have been a face mask. But, you you know, who am I to say? I'm not a ref or a rules expert or anything. But... Sure, that wasn't a face mask. But anyway, Diggins took that catch on Jalen Ramsey, took it all the way to the house in the first 12 seconds of the second half. For a touchdown to give the Cincinnati Bengals a 17-13 lead. Then we got Matthew Stafford throwing a pick, which led to a Bengals field goal, put him up 20-17. to 17. I mean 20-13, my bad. Then, from there on out, from that moment after that field goal, that game was all L.A. The defense was absolutely fantastic, led by Aaron Donald, who had himself a very nice second half, very great performance. Four total tackles, two sacks. And in that second half, especially in the fourth quarter, the Bengals absolutely had no answer for them once the Rams started switching up their formation and loading up the box. Going in five, forcing one-on-one matchups with Aaron Donald, which he won pretty easily. That's let's get ahead of ourselves. The whole defensive line was absolutely dominant. Kind of, kind of what most of us figured was going to happen in that game. Bengals O line needs work. They need work. And if I'm the Bengals, that should be priority number one in the offseason. But back to the game. And then the offense for the for the Los Angeles Rams after a very slow second half. The Bengals defense was actually doing a pretty good job after those first two touchdown drives from LA. It became the Cooper Cup and the Matt Stafford show. And that final drive that gave the Rams the 23-20 lead was masterful. 
Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford did everything in that final drive for the Los Angeles Rams. And it just showed that connection they had with each other all year long. It showed that just showed why Cooper Cup won Offensive Player of the Year. And it really showcased Matt Stafford, what he has been able to do the past 14 seasons, both this season in LA and the 13 years in Detroit. Anyway, then Joe Burrow got the ball back with about a minute or so remaining. Minute 20, I believe it was. Something like that remaining. And it started off pretty good. So Joe Burrow hit Jamar Chase for like a 20-something yard reception. 17-yard reception. But then from there, Joe Burrow had no time to throw whatsoever. And on fourth and one, Aaron Donald, man. Aaron Donald. Best defensive player in all football. Arguably the best player in football. Seal the deal for the Los Angeles Rams to win their second Super Bowl title in franchise history. You can't help but wonder. You can't help but feel happy for a lot of players on this Rams team. From Matt Stafford, who spent 13 years in Detroit, finally got out of Detroit, and his first year with a Decent to a great franchise. Won a ring. Aaron Donald, best defensive player of all of football. Finally got a ring. Odell Beckham Jr. All the nonsense, all the noise he heard throughout the entirety of his time in Cleveland to now. Hopefully he recovers from that ACL tear that he suffered midway through the game, which was heartbreaking for a lot of people, including myself, to see because that man was on his way to having a great game and then. Ugh, same ACL torn against Cincinnati. He's torn that ACL twice against Cincinnati. Same one, twice, same opponent. I don't know how. I don't know why, but it is what it is. Hopefully, he gets a chance for a pretty decent contract somewhere in the offseason. And I'm happy for Cooper Cup, the guy from Yakima, Washington, the zero-star recruit. Eastern Washington University star won Super Bowl MVP and potentially, well, not potentially, without a doubt, sealed the deal on the greatest season, single season ever, by a wide receiver. Come on, let's, let's get this straight. This season, he won the Triple Crown in receiving touchdowns, receptions, yards. Offensive Player of the Year, Super Bowl Champion, Super Bowl MVP, and he did that all in a year. A year. The only one, only other player to do that, period, throughout his entire career was the great Jerry Rice. Just, <laughs> you never know, man. Greatness from small beginnings. From Yakima to Super Bowl MVP. Can't feel, help feel good for Cooper Cup. And now, for the tough part, talk about the Bengals. The Bengals, what do they do now? Well, first things first. Cincinnati, that you have the talent to come back here again. Heck, you had the talent to possibly win this game if... Joe had time. 
because there was a photo online, uh, something I saw, that Jamar Chase had beaten Jalen Ramsey on that fourth and one play. Joe Burrow had absolutely zero time to throw in that second half. None. And he got hurt again. Luckily, it wasn't as bad as the first time, but this is something I've this I've always thought about Cincinnati this year. Cool, you got Jamar Chase in the draft, but will he have time to throw? Throughout the regular season, the first few rounds of the playoffs, it seemed like it didn't matter. But when you play a defensive line as great as the Rams, the offensive line a little bit kind of matters. Kind of matters a little bit. So if I'm Cincinnati, offensive line, improving on that offensive line is priority number one. Whether it be through the draft, free agency, trades, whatever. You have the talent on offense. Time to protect your franchise. And trust me, you do that, I have no doubt you'll be back here again in the Super Bowl. No doubt. And maybe improve your corners a little bit too. That that would be my secondary priority. But heck, what a great way to finish the season. Appreciate for the great game. And let's not talk about officiating because it was okay to like the last three minutes of the game. Obviously some missed calls. These re- officiating crew let these teams play. For the most part. But, yeah, those, that, that was basically my thoughts in the Super Bowl. Halftime show was amazing as well. Overall, just a great show in L.A. And, sheesh, the countdown the next season begins now. Next up, the NFL Draft, the NFL Combine, and the NFL Offseason. Prior to the Super Bowl, we had our NFL Honors, the NFL Honors show. I like, I don't know why I said our, like I actually had a part of it, but the way the awards are so obvious, I probably could have written the announced all the awards for the most part. So, NFL MVP went to Aaron Rodgers. Not pretty obvious to me. It was between either him or Tom Brady. And honestly, I think the biggest surprise is that Cooper Cup actually got a vote for MVP. But after the, but surprising in a good way because we heard all the talk about Rodgers and Brady all year long. We completely forgot about how great of a season Cooper Cup had as a wide, wide receiver this year. But for Aaron Rodgers, another good year for him. Another typical Aaron Rodgers year for one the NFC North through for. A, Ton of touchdowns, very few picks. Threw for about four thousand one hundred fifteen yards, thirty-seven TDs, four picks. Honestly, not the end of the season he probably would have wanted, but it is what it is. Defensive Player of the Year, T.J. Watt, pretty obvious. Tied Michael Strahan's all-time single-season sack record. Was an absolute monster this year for Pittsburgh. Easy pay for a defensive player of the year. 
Offensive Player of the Year, Cooper Cup. Yeah. What 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 more do I have to say? Triple Crown winner in the league this year for wide receivers. Won the Triple Crown. Can't get more obvious than that. Can't couldn't get more obvious than that. Even though I think I made my, when I made my predictions, I said Jonathan Taylor, but that was completely me blanking on Cooper Cup. But yeah, pretty obvious. Cooper Cup, offensive player of the year. Offensive rookie of the year. Again, pretty obvious. Jamar Chase. Only thing I'm trying to remember is if it was unanimous or not, because Jamar Chase had an absolutely fantastic rookie season. He finished the season with grand total of 81 receptions. For 1,455 yards, which was in the top five in the league this year, and he had 13 touchdowns. Definitely shut up the uh, oh, why do you not why do you not draft Panay Sewell crowd for the Cincinnati Bengals this year? And I honestly think he's only gonna get better. He's only gonna get better as the years progress. They got something special in Cincinnati with that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase duo. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Micah Parsons. Yeah, that, that wasn't much of a surprise either. Man was absolutely a wrecking machine this year for the Dallas Cowboys. He finished the season with 84 tackles, 13 sacks. It was a great year for him, and I was always high on Michael Parsons. It's going back to his Penn State days. You hear always heard about the attitude problem, but for me, that wasn't really much of an issue for me. Man has a special talent. And he's going to continue to get better. I feel like he has must have much to improve as well, like especially like in coverage. Trust me, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with for a long time in this league. And it's a damn shame he's going to be playing in Dallas for most of those years. Damn. Anyway, Coach of the Year, Mike Vrabel, absolutely 100% deserved. I think he had like most – he had to rotate the most players in and out of the rotation with all the injuries and all that stuff. Lost his star running back, Derrick Henry, for most of the season and still got the Titans to the number one seed in the AFC. Again, not the season. The season ended the way he wanted to or anybody on the Titans team wanted to. But at the end of the day, not a bad season. Definitely can't wait to see how he improves on the next year with a healthy Derrick Henry returning. And last but not least, Comeback Player of the Year and Walter Payton Man of the Year. Congratulations to Andrew Whitworth for winning Walter Payton Man of the Year. Good guy. And Comeback Player of the Year, Joe Burrow. I mean, it was between him and Dak Prescott, but Joe Burrow just had a little bit more this year. That gave him the edge. Obviously, got the Bengals to the freaking Super Bowl. Finished the year with 4,611 yards, 34 TDs, and 14 interceptions. Absolutely fantastic. And sheesh, man. He needs help. <laughs> he needs some help on that offensive line. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. Time to get him an offensive line. You finally got, you got the talent. Now it's time to build that offensive line. But... My reaction to everybody winning these awards, again, not much of a surprise. I could have told you this. Heck, I think the 
I honestly think a guy who to- doesn't even watch football could told you who who won these awards. But well deserving. Congratulations to all these players, and we'll see where these players can improve on this or not going into next season. Well. Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals seem to be in a little bit of a tense situation at the moment. It all started prior to the Super Bowl. Kyler Murray deleted basically most of his social media stuff on Instagram, leaving only two pictures, two pictures on his IG. And then we were kind of confused by it, wondering if he was a little ticked off at the Arizona Cardinals or whatever, something like that. And then I guess the Cardinals did the same thing, deleted most of their social media stuff for whatever reason. Then this tweet from Chris Morstan comes out on the 13th, the day of the Super Bowl. It says, The odd vibe between the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray is indeed alarming. Murray is described as self-centered, immature, and finger-pointer, per whatever, whoever his sources are. And Murray is frustrated with the franchise and embarrassed by the playoff loss and thinks he was framed as a scapegoat. And then I believe Kyler Murray came out with a response saying that that's not true at all. I played for my teammates. Love me or hate me, I'm going to get better, improve. Now we're at the point where the Cardinals are expecting more out of him. And then, blah, and it's whatever. It's a little bit of a weird situation right now. But at the end of the day, Kyle Murray is going to be the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals for the foreseeable future. No, I don't see any stupid trade rumors starting. I don't see anything like that happening. I don't see Kyler Murray requesting a trade from the Arizona Cardinals. I just don't. And, yeah, this Arizona Cardinals team was in line to have a pretty good playoff run before the second half of the season where everything just fell apart injury-wise. Injuries happened. Kyler Murray's play did deteriorate a little bit in the second half. But also, the play calling wasn't exactly the greatest either from Cliff Kingsbury. I still don't know how the hell he's an NFL coach, but we're still here. And yes, Kyler Murray played pretty bad in that game against the Rams. But the way that Rams teams played... uh, I don't think there's anyone stopping them, no matter how good Kyler Murray played or not played. The Rams made Tom Brady look ordinary for a long time in that game. They made, well, a lot of people made Jimmy Garoppolo look ordinary. It's just what it is. It is what it is. Kyler Murray is an exceptional talent. The Cardinals are going to come back healthy next year. I do think Kyler Murray is going to get better as a leader and as a quarterback. And we'll just see if this team can actually stay healthy because that's just been the main issue for the Arizona Cardinals the past few years. Bad playing call near the end of the game. Injuries halfway through the season. And whatever the heck Cliff Kingsbury is doing. For the most part, 
I can see this next year being a do-or-die type year for the Arizona Cardinals. It's time for them to take that next step forward. Kyler Murray to take that next step forward. The team to take a step forward. Cliff Kingsbury as a coach to take the next step forward. I see this next year being an interesting one as well. Obviously, also Kyler Murray is also due for a contract extension. So his play next year definitely will affect that. And honestly, this whatever this drama is going right now for the Arizona Cardinals is definitely going to affect that one way or another. But for right now, I don't see I don't see an issue here. I really don't. There's always gonna be frustration when you lose in the playoffs. There's always gonna be frustration when you believe that things could have gone differently. That's just how it is. And Kyle Murray and the Arizona Cardinals just at that point where they know they can be better. They just need to get there. The NBA trade deadlines come and gone. There are some good moves. There are some interesting moves. There are some head scratching moves. And then there was the Ned Sixers trade. <laughs> but before I get into those deals, I want to talk about some teams that I were kind of surprised to make some move. Did not make some moves. Basically, just the Lakers. So the Los Angeles Lakers, you know. I was kind of everybody was expecting them to make at least one or two moves, right? They tried to move on. There was rumors of them trading Westbrook for John Wall. There was rumors about Westbrook for John Wall and Christian Wood. There was talks for about Dennis Schroeder. There was talks about Drogic. There was talks about so many of these veterans that could have came in and made an impact. But at the end of the day, nothing happened. And now. The Lakers are going to focus on the buyout market. <laughs> oh, this is rich. That is just rich. Lakers, hello. You're not going to get much help from the buyout market. Just a bunch of old bums that don't obviously aren't needed anymore in the league. But I digress. Also, I'm also kind of curious why teams... Like the Bulls didn't make any moves, or the Heat didn't make any moves, or anything like that. But I do feel like the Bulls and the Heat, unlike the Lakers, still feel confident in their squad moving forward, seeing how those two are two of the top teams in the NBA and the top two in the Eastern Conference as of right now. But I digress. It's time to talk about these moves. We'll start with the first move of the day which was a four-team trade by the Clippers, the Kings, the Pistons, and the Bucks. The Clippers acquired Sime Oligier. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Oligier? Oligier? I don't know. If someone can hit me up on Twitter or something and tell me that how to pronounce that name. And also the guy Rodney Hood. Okay. I believe they also got some picks out of it. Um, the Kings acquired in this deal Dante DiVincenzo, which kind of makes up for the Tyrese Halliburton move. Because I do like Dante DiVincenzo next to De'Aaron Fox and Devonta Sabonis. They also picked up Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles from the Pistons, who acquired Marvin Magley, which 
is good for Marvin Bagley and the Pistons. The Pistons get themselves a solid power forward of the future, and Marvin Bagley gets that nice little reset that he's been looking for. And then the Bucks, out of all this, they acquired Sergi Baca from the Clippers and a couple of picks and some cash. Now, the Bucks picking up Sergi Baca is huge for the Milwaukee Bucks. Sergi Baca can come in and fill the role that Brooke Lopez has left wide open due to his injury. And though he's a little older, he's still a savvy vet. He can rebound. He can play defense. There's a reason they still call him Sergi Blanca. I like that move for the Bucks. They also got some picks and some cash out of it, so that's a dub for them. Overall, I feel like the Clippers basically just made a salary dump for that, for whatever reason. It picked up some okay role players for them. I don't see them peeing around Rodney Hood, but it is what it is. The Kings, they got down to Chief and Genzo, which can't help them make a play and run, especially with the playing play and field for the West being completely weak. Pistons, they got themselves a nice young player for the future. We'll see how far that goes. He had a pretty decent debut a couple nights ago. And the Bucks, well, they picked up a tool that can help them rank a run in the Eastern Conference. The next deal. Raptors traded Rogic to the Spurs for Thaddeus Young. The Spurs also got a first-round pick out of it, and the Raptors get a second-round pick out of it. Now, when this first deal first came out, this is the one of those head-scratcher deals, like, why the hell would the Spurs do this? But then the first-round pick came around. It's like, oh, okay. It is now reported that Drogic is actually going to be bought out by the San Antonio Spurs, so he is going to be a name to watch out for in the buyout market. And for the Raptors, Thad Young's a nice little veteran, I guess, to help for the nice little playoff run. Raptors are currently sixth in the Eastern Conference as of, as of this recording, so should be interesting to see how that goes, lays out for them. Okay. Let's talk about James Harden, Ben Simmons trade at the end. On to the next deal. Josh Richardson traded to the Spurs for Derek White. I absolutely love this move for the Boston Celtics. Derek White's going to give you some scoring off the bench that you've been desperately needing for some while. Great, nice role player off the bench. And you get out that Josh Richardson contract, which wasn't much, but hey, it's something. The Charlotte Hornets, they required Montrez Harrell from the Washington Wizards. I don't remember exactly what they gave up to get him, but I do like this move also for the Charlotte Hornets. Though, they really didn't improve the offense much on this end for Montrez Harrell, but they do get a nice center. Starting or backup doesn't matter. You can figure that out with Plumley. But it's a nice backup or starting center. Steve sure they can make a little run for that final play-in spot or just to get out of the play-in. As of right now, they've been on a little bit of a slump this lately. The Phoenix Suns, they acquired Tory Craig and Aaron Holiday. Also, they acquired Tony Craig from the Pacers, and they acquired Aaron Holiday from the Wizards. I like the Tony Craig signing. Nice defensive wing. Very tough to find defensive wings. Pretty decent wings in the NBA, and... Tory Craig's one of those guys who can make a – he won't show up on the stat sheets, but he definitely will make an impact 
for the Phoenix Suns as they march try to march back to the finals. The Mavericks acquired Spencer Dinwiddie from the Washington Wizards along with Dave Bertans for Kristaps Porzingis. Now this one to me uh, was one of those ones like okay, it's whatever. Dinwiddie, I don't think he moves the needle that much for the Dallas Mavericks. But they needed a change. They needed some sort of change. Kristaps Porzingis and the Luka experiment. That has not gone well at all whatsoever. So, yeah. Who knows? As much as I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie and Dan Bertans absolutely moved the needle for the for the Dallas Mavericks, they just needed a change. They just needed a change. And they get out that Kristaps Porzingis contract. But they also get Davis Bertans contract, so it doesn't really matter. And Dennis Schroeder going to the Houston... Rockets for Daniel Tice. I can give two. I can give two hoots about this move. Honestly, Dennis Shooter going to the Rockets. Daniel Tice going back to the Boston Celtics. David Daniel Tice is actually loved in Boston. Fans love him. Players love him. Coaches love him. So that's gonna be a nice little chemistry move for them. Dennis Shooter. Have fun in Houston, buddy. But now for the biggest move of them all. James Harden and Paul Millsap trade to the Philadelphia 76ers for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and some picks. Here's what I think about this. The Ben Simmons and James Harden were two disgruntled employees that just got traded for one another. And in this move, this is just a move for me where I believe neither side was done dirty. But there are some factors to this move, to this trade that obviously might be in effect, be in effect come playoff time. James Harden going to the Philadelphia 76ers gives the freaking Philadelphia 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers, a unbelievable pick and roll combo, and probably one of the best starting fives in the league, if not just the Eastern Conference. However, they gave a little bit of depth, a little bit of shooting. But I don't think it matters. I do believe James Harden makes up for most of that. Joel Embiid's been playing out of his mind this year. And just to finally get a player that's actually going to play instead of Ben Simmons, big-time move for the Philadelphia 76ers. And I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up making a deep playoff run. Honestly, it'd be disappointing if they didn't. And as for the Nets, I said this a while ago. I did not like the current depth they had in that roster. I didn't like the current build of that roster. And adding Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, it fixes a lot of things. Shooting's better. They got a nice backup center for Nicholas Claxton. I do like Andre Drummond as a backup for Nicholas Claxton. Seth Curry just bring the shooting that they desperately needed in Brooklyn. A nice little score in the starting lineup or the bench. Whatever you want to use in. And then you bring in Ben Simmons. Now, this is the wild card of this trade. This is... I don't know, man. Ben Simmons right now is a very, very, very interesting case. He got what he wanted. He got out of Philadelphia. But it's going to be interesting to see how he... Mel, he, he gets used to Brooklyn. And will he be the same old Ben Sands we were used to in the past? Or, I don't know. 
Will this game change? Has this game changed? Is his mental health there? Obviously, before this trade, he's been seeing therapist. I'm pretty sure he's still seeing therapist. So it's gonna be interesting to see how he goes out there and performs in Brooklyn. But for the most part, if Ben Simmons doesn't, if you're not relying on Ben Simmons to score the basketball and just ask him, hey, just play defense, facilitate, play a role. I think they'll be fine once KD comes back and part-time Kyrie. They'll be fine. Now the question is, can they finally get on a roll once KD does return? Can Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving be enough to get the Nets out of the situation they're in right now? They just won a game last night against the Kings. whoop de freaking do Everybody beats the dang Kings. But can they get out of that playing tournament spot? Can they... Improve their standings in the Eastern Conference because if they the, the playoffs were to start today, they would be playing the Raptors in the playing game, and I'm not even confident they could beat the Raptors in the playing game. And if they somehow got into the playoffs as an eight seed, they would be playing either the Heat, the Bulls, or the Sixers or the Bucks in the first round. I'm not confident this team as constructed still would be enough to beat any of them, even with KD. So. The next success this season really depends on how Ben Simmons comes in, comes in, and plays. But we'll see. We'll see where his head's at. Oh, we'll definitely see where his head's at by the by the tenth of March when he goes back to Philly. But yeah, that's all I got. How I think about these trades. A lot of good moves. Like I said a lot of good moves. A lot of future building moves. A lot of Win now moves and we'll see how it goes. We'll see how they all pan out. It's all said and done. And to wrap up this episode of the podcast, just a quick little recap on the lockout. Yeah, I got nothing. Lockout's still a freaking thing. It's over. It's still going on. LBPA and the MLB still can't come to an agreement. They're still far away from, you know. I get into a deal, and it's sad because today's the day pitchers and catchers would have reported to spring training. And yet, still no deal. Still no deal. And this lockout continues. But yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. And yeah, this is going to be an interesting. This can be so weird. Go talk about basically basketball. For a while. Got March Madness on the way. I mean, about to head out to go watch Kentucky at Tennessee. That's going to be a good one to watch. Hopefully. And yeah, we'll see how it goes. Until next time, I'm out. Peace.